It's a beautiful Saturday evening right here in the Arkansas Valley, and we're just to the east of Pueblo and to the west of Lamar, Colorado, and this is a great time. We're at the Larson Ranch. What's the real name, the full name of this, Luke? We're at the Episcopal Ranch, which uh, we, we didn't name our, our, our brand name after the Episcopal Ranch. It's hard to pronounce. It's always pronounced Apishapa, uh, but it's, it's for the river that runs through here, which some people would, would laugh at the fact that it's a river. It's a dry creek bed most of the time, but there's a sulfur spring halfway through the ranch that um, it was named. So Episcopal is stinky water in, in Indian language, and so, yeah, that's how Episcopal Ranch got its name. Stink or not, any water is good, and we had some great water today. It rained just a bit, and um, just a beautiful day, and myself and Brian Freeman and Jay Parker here as we get to the opportunity to tour the state on our 13th day of our 1,600-mile journey around Colorado to connect Coloradans to our food and beverage. It's really a treat to be able to sit down and have a fireside discussion like we are right now, and I think a, a few of the things that we'd really like to bring to your attention are uh, generational farming, communities that work together for greater good of all, of completing that uh, circle within the food chain, and how, how to keep people engaged, um, the, the face fronting with the consumer and agriculture themselves. And I think we're gonna have a very great conversation right here. Let's go ahead and go around the table, and I think it would be a great thing to just start right here with this gentleman, Bill. And uh, <laughs> I know, do you have a microphone still? I do, but I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> you just say, <laughs> I, say I used to give talks all the time, but I can't do it anymore. <laughs> ah, you know what? I think you, you can. Introduce yourself, if you would, Mr. Larson. Well, I'm Bill Larson, I guess. And we're, we're actually new in this country. We've only been here about 30, 30 years or so. And uh, we just kind of wandered in, got, uh, got into the ranching kind of by mistake. Or not mistake. Well, maybe it was a mistake. By chance. <laughs> By chance, yeah. Yeah, looking back is a difference than looking and, forward. Uh, the odd part of it is uh, I've always been involved in agriculture ever since day one, but our boys uh, grew up in Arvada. And, <clears throat> excuse me, each one of those uh, somehow or another now came and become a part of the ranch. Uh, they all got college graduates, and Eric has a PhD, and, but they uh, are still involved in the ranch. So it means a lot to you. Yeah. So. And to see, and to see your sons engaged in something that means so much to you, and the love for that. It. I, I mean, I, I'm feeling that. Right. That myself. Yeah. No, I appreciate you injecting in there because I, I think I'm about done. Oh, I could have brought you down the rabbit hole with that one. I peeled it back for no. sure. No, well, it's it, very simple. It, it, I just, I, for some reason, sometimes I get goofy like that. I, you and, know, I don't think it's goofy because what we do and highlighting passion is everything. And I think that there's one thing that we can see through agriculture is that you have to have a passion to be in this business. You're not doing it with the, the great margins and the millions and trillions of dollars that you can make. There's a passion and a love for not only being a steward to the land, but the husbandry to the animals that you raise as well. Yep, that, that is definitely correct. Because you're, well, you're not going to get rich um, as far as dollars are concerned, but if you have some land and the appreciation on the land tends to make you appear wealthy. 
<laughs> the, the way you the way you make money is to sell sell out. <laughs> I understand completely. So we're not smart enough to do that. Sure. Well, Greg, it is funny though because Bill's not mentioning two of his boys wanted to be cowboys ever since they were little kids. I did hear a story of a couple of the boys in the house were always. Wandering around with the cowboy hats since they were little kids. Well, I suppose that's right. I guess. Then we went to soccer games and and uh, football games and all that stuff. So I can't think of anybody better than you to do this, Bill. Talk about this gentleman to your right, if you would. Talk about him. Yeah, say something about him. Well, something nice, preferably. <laughs> <laughs> we had uh, first thing I think for some reason we had sheep in our backyard, and uh, we. Uh, we we had, didn't have really many. We just have maybe one acre, half a acre, and we got into 4-H. They did, and got Luke got really involved in the in the lamb showing, and uh, which was kind of odd, uh, but anyway, he did. And so, so much so that it kept him from playing football in high school. Yeah, he played. I don't think he played football. He did soccer, and uh, all three of the boys were were actually soccer players. And they went to Arvada West High School, which is one of the bigger high schools in Colorado, I think. So I think one of them had, what, 800 in your graduating class? I don't know. Didn't you, Adam? Yeah, about that. Yeah, in the graduating class, that was bigger than the town I grew up in. But <laughs> uh, well, that's almost as big as the town of Fowler. But uh, they were uh, all able to play. I, I don't think you have played uh, varsity. You were inv involved in the sheep. Uh, Luke, but uh, both Eric and Adam were on the varsity on the on the soccer, and uh, I think Adam was kind of a track star too. He's the one with the long hair and the long beard. <laughs> he doesn't look like much of an athlete right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think he was, <laughs> none of us do. <laughs> I think he uh, won like uh, se curls seven, now. Se seven letters, I think, or something like that. In, you in lettered uh, seven times, all right. In a high school that had his class of 800 kids, so... Uh, so I don't know about that. Then Eric went on and to get a. I, I guess I'm talking about all three of them now, yeah, right? That's good. Uh, Eric is the oldest, and he went on to kind of follow through what what I. Uh, and he got a PhD in ruminant nutrition from. He uh, graduated from CSU and then went to Nebraska and got a master's, and then went to uh, back to CSU to get his PhD. Mm -hmm. So in, in each one of them, uh, Luke graduated from CSU in animal science, and Adam <laughs> graduated from CU with, uh, I think, magna cum laude or something like that. <laughs> so, so we had both CU and CSU yeah, represented. Same, so, yeah. And he was, of course, he was one of those about that time where, uh, well, that's where the long hair and stuff came from. <laughs> 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 and, uh, coming, and sandals, you know, we come to these... Uh, Beef cattle events, and here he'd come with his sandals. And <laughs> Don't anyway. worry, Adam. We're not live. We can edit a lot of this out. But we're probably going to keep most of it, just so you know. Just saying. 
but I forgot what I was supposed to talk about. No, I mean, and really what I want to show, and as we travel uh, in, in our travels, in our journeys, to talk to people about agriculture and multi-generational ranching and farming, it's a big issue because a lot of times, you, you know, your, your kids don't want to get into the same business that you're in, or they go away from it and then they come back at a certain point. So it can get decimated at any point along the line. But uh, here's the testimony to you, Luke. You wanted to be in this business. Did you, where'd your passion come from? I, I'll, I'll let you speak to it. Hey. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? This is Brother Luck from Lucky Dumplin' for by Brother Luck in Colorado Springs, and I am rocking with the Modern Eater. You're watching them, you're tasting them, you're knowing everything there is to know about Colorado. <laughs> Hi, Charlie from Brews Beers here. Our new Belgian Abbey Four Pack is a mixed package of the four core beers made in Abbey and Trappist breweries in Belgium. So we have a single, a double, a triple, and a quadruple in one package. Now, quadruples are the emperors of Belgian monastery ales. They're dark in color, uh, with a dense tan head, and alcohol ranging from 8 to 12%. So they're pretty strong. Quadruples are very rich and complex with big maltiness, uh, spice, and flavors of raisins, cherries, and plums. Alcohol is apparent in the mouthfeel, but not overwhelming. Uh, even at 10.5% ABV. So the finish is long, complex, and dry, and they're great beers anytime, by themselves or with hearty foods. Pick up your Abbey 4-pack at either Brews location, 67th and Pencos, or at Colfax and York, and at fine liquor stores throughout the Denver metro area. Take home some Belgian-style badassery today. the outtake version. What's up, Denver? I am Chef Natasha Hess, and this is Chef Carrie Baird, and we are at the Ginger Pig. Check us out, gingerpig.com. You can also see us on the moderneater.com. Thanks, everybody. It's cornstarch. I know. It's cool. Uh, here's the testimony to you, Luke. You wanted to be in this business. Did you, where'd your passion come from? I, I'll, I'll let you speak to it. Yeah, I mean, it came from 4-H and, and seeing the people. Um, no, you got it. Yeah, seeing the people my dad worked with. Um, we grew up, we didn't grow up on a on a ranching operation or on a, a feedlot, but we grew up going to the feedlots with my dad and seeing the people and, and the quality of people involved in, in agriculture was, was one of the biggest things um, that I was drawn to. And then just being with animals and and being in that, we, we definitely grew up with seeing the city and seeing uh, rural America, and it was a pretty easy decision for, for me. Um, I still like both elements, and I still want to raise our kids to, to see both elements. Um, and I think we're real fortunate to do that. But, um, but, yeah, for me, it's the people involved in agriculture. Yeah, and that was what was important about tonight's fireside chat. Is And, and thank you for inviting us out. And, oh, thanks for And coming. we had a great day with you today. But there, there was one of the things when we gathered tonight, you said, I'm going to assemble some people together. And, and, and the folks that you brought together tonight, talk about why that was important to you and to be able to utilize the microphone you have to highlight others around you as well. Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed watching The Modern Eater and, and what you guys do, and it, it's so neat to see you visiting chefs and, 
and all parts of Colorado and all parts of agriculture in Colorado and, and tying those two together. And, and I'm, I'm just, I love Arkansas Valley agriculture and we have so, so many quality producers, so many quality products. And a lot of people, when they think of Colorado agriculture, the first thing that pops into their mind isn't always other than Rocky Ford cantaloupe. It isn't our area. And, mm -hmm. and so when we talked about working together and, and highlighting our beef, um, it just seemed natural to, to invite our neighbors and, and friends here and, and, uh, and highlight what they're doing. And, and I know there's so much that we can, we can all do together. And so there we begin on this 13th day of our road trip and appreciate you watching this because there's so much more to it. But the new friends that we're meeting, we'd like to share these stories to you and the fellow to your right here. Nick, I really enjoyed as we had a small prep conversation beforehand, um, just what you had to say. And I'd like to just start out where you began, if you would. Um, yourself, your name and, and what you do, and we'll go from there. Well, uh, my name's Nick Rustler. Uh, I was born and born and raised in Avondale, Colorado. It's about 20 miles east of Pueblo. Uh, went to graduated high school from from a Pueblo County High School. Uh, went and got my uh, business degree from University of Northern Colorado, and came right back to the farm. I had a couple different job opportunities after I got out, and and uh, you know, you kind of had to make that decision: Are you going to go? Because the jobs are in the cities, mm -hmm. so that's kind of where you have to make your. When you get out of out of school, you say, "Okay, I'm gonna either gonna, I have to kind of look at everything that's at the table." And and uh, I went to a couple different job interviews, and and you know, because I was thought, oh, "I'm gonna maybe for a couple of years, I'm gonna go live in the city and kind of just you know see what it's all about." And I remember going to the 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 final job interview, and I was I was uh, sitting on I-25. And it was just bumper to bumper traffic and mm -hmm. and it sounds kind of crazy but i, I kind of made my decision i mean right there that was like you know the little sign that you get i knew i was coming home i knew i was and i was like almost like trying to fight it mm -hmm. you know and uh and i i remember sitting there and saying that this just kind of wasn't wasn't in my element and 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 i came back home and and i'm so so thankful that i did because uh i've just have a wonderful family and i've learned so much from from all of them, and, and I was fortunate enough, right before I graduated from school, I found my, I met my wife, and I, I roped her into coming back down with me, and she said yes, and, and, uh, and I've been, since 2006, I've been on the, on the farm with my family, and, and that's, that's where we are now. What a blessing, what do you produce? Yeah, uh, corn, pinto beans, uh, corn, all good for you guys, and, and silage, uh, uh, but that's in mostly mostly feed crops. It was onions were our were our main deal for well from when at the time I was growing up till a few years ago. And we've recently got out of the onion business and uh, kind of directed more towards pinto beans. Shoot, I wanted to grab a package of your pinto beans because I there's still some up. in there. Yeah, yeah we'll get okay. a, we'll get a package out here. Yeah. One of the things that struck me about you, Nick, is just the selflessness of how you carry yourself and and lifting other people's up, people up before yourself. And when I asked you what was important for us to talk about tonight, you immediately deferred to others. And go ahead, if you could recreate that just a little bit of why you believe that this was important um, and and what the Larson family had done. Well, uh, it's, like I said, I, you kind of take it for granted. You, you're kind of in the motion of everything. But then when you sit back and look at the melons and you look at the Pueblo chili and you look at the unbelievable beef and, I mean, the, the feed yards here, and especially with the Larsons, it's, I mean, it's, it's really unique. I mean, there's so much around in this valley. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, there's so many different kind of world, like they're not maybe not worldwide known, but they're uh, they're they're well known, mm-hmm. kind of all around the country, and they're all produced right here in this, you know, what is that, a 60 mile yeah. range, and that and and you kind of lose sight of that a little bit when you're in the in the hustle and bustle of it and and going and and uh for for luke and kate and, and the larsons to, to kind of put all this together and and highlight it i thought i just thought that was that was very cool kind of a step back and smell the roses moment and and reflect on it and and highlight it's just pretty dang cool well, it really does take those small microcosms to create that larger ecosystem of that synergistic, you know, working together and creating that that community sense. You can go from the family to the community and then outward to producing for others. And there is a lot of good food produced yeah. in this region right here. And testament to the meal that we had tonight, Luke. It, it was great. Yeah, thank you to Kate and everybody that um, helped produce it. And Rustlers brought the pinto beans, and it was, yeah, it was a great meal. We're going to have chefs play with those pin. I'm sure there's tons that already do, <laughs> but we can't wait to take some of those with us if if we could and absolutely and share them far and wide absolutely. oh cool so cool matt how are you good how are you good to see you and brooke i really enjoyed catching up with you guys a little bit earlier and brooke you you just um I, and i can tell your your broadcasting background i really can it's just really cool to see um that art at work and so how would how do you use your powers for good let's just say that right now <laughs> That's a good question. You know, my name's Alex Seidel from Fruition Mercantile, Fruition Farms in Chook. If you like vegetables as much as I do, make sure you tune into the Modern Eater. Modern Eater, we love you guys. This is Amber with Northern Colorado Potatoes, reminding everyone that potatoes grown here are truly rooted in love and rooted in a long history of being grown in this area. Early 1900s reports show that this was either the largest or one of the largest potato producing areas in the nation. Other states have had some amazing branding, but don't forget we have all your favorite varieties and more you love to cook and eat, including russet. Support local potatoes, you won't be disappointed. It's Caroline Glover. I'm the chef owner of Annette out at Stanley Marketplace. Citrus is about to be in its prime. And you're watching the Modern Eater show. <laughs> I'm fine with that. How do you use your powers for good? Let's just say that right now. <laughs> That's a good question. You know, to tell you the truth, I am by heart, I'm born and raised in Chicago. I came out here, I had never been in a pickup, I had never been in a tractor. 
So what I have learned has been incredible. And I think the key thing is people don't know. They don't know where the beef comes from. They don't know how things grow. They don't it's know. It's not in the package on Whole Foods. Uh, you know, no. I, I, Actually, but I, that was the question I asked her parents. said, do you know where your food comes from? And they said, sure, the store. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? That's really an answer that is is out there and it's a legitimate answer too because it's up to all of us collectively to put out that education Absolutely. so thank you for what you're doing and how you're trying to get the word out there and sharing it and for luke and kate to invite us and get us all together so we can kind of share our stories and what we know and it's so important because there is a lot going on down here and it's pretty exciting when you really get a chance to talk about it for us in the sense that there's a lot of crops growing a lot of beef being produced and it's it's uh, a busy time of year. Yeah, Rocky We don't get a whole lot of time to talk about it. Your heads are down. You're just going forward and yeah, doing what you do. So you don't get a whole lot of time to, to think about it and reflect, like Nick said, to appreciate, smell the roses a little yeah. bit. So I'm glad you brought that up. What do you do? What do we do? Yeah. Uh, so we do cantaloupe, watermelons, honeydew. Uh, we did onions for a period of time like the rustlers did. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of out of that right now, we also do corn, hay, cattle, a little bit, so a little bit of everything. Yeah, this is when I defer to the farm whisperer over here to my <laughs> left, and that's Brian Freeman. And this is the conversation I'd love for you to get in on, Brian, because uh, this is not only where you excel, but really where you identify with these folks and their growing and, and what it takes to be able to do that from somebody who has owned a distribution company and knows the obstacle that it takes to be able to get that food and to bring it to market. Take it from there, would you? Definitely. Thanks, Greg. Um, you know, it was interesting. Matt and I were talking a little earlier. Actually, it was Brooke about the what are the secondary products mm-hmm. they're using or finding and new markets. And that's where I think the ingenuity of the farmer is identifying what do we do with our seconds? Mm-hmm. How do we get more money from something that might have originally been feed? And then on the other side, the conservation. And, and Matt, I just tee you up on the conservation side of it because it's a struggle to do the right thing. And uh, that, that was a conversation we had at dinner, and, and you might just talk about that. Uh, so a lot of the, the things that we do with our melons, it's more beneficial and more efficient for us to use drip irrigation over flood irrigation. So we're not really producing a lot more as far as the, the land may provide but we're producing more marketable product to the people. So where we may have lost 50% in the field because of over-irrigation or drought or whatever, with our drip irrigation, we can have a more marketable crop. And so... And it's one thing to farm and be a farmer, but it's another thing to actually bring it to market and to scale your business and to know what your margins are and to, to for, uh, talk about some of the things that were done for Rocky Ford in order to really just tighten things up and, and to make it as solid of a, a brand and a product that comes to market, if you would. Sure. So the Rocky Ford Growers Association was formed. Uh, we trademarked the name. We set boundaries for where our cantaloupes were grown or are grown. And for the past hundred years or so, we've produced a crop and there was an incident that happened that we all had to come together as families in a region that uh, we became an association, trademarked it and put in a state of the art facility to be as safe as we can for our consumers and went forward with that direction. 
And you had some support with other uh, institutional Colorado Ag arm. Absolutely. The Department of Ag, Colorado Department of Ag has been fantastic. Stellar. Just supporting us, promoting us, encouraging, kind of getting the word out there as far as where our cantaloupe come from, how they're cleaned, how to eat them, how to, uh, you know, cleaning them to recipes they've uh, brought in different chefs to focus on different recipes and so all of that has been a huge success and they've been great about communicating and really promoting uh, the cantaloupes in our area and the Colorado people as well they've been great in supporting us buying our product uh, staying with us through through everything and enjoying our our great product that we have people look forward to it yeah, yeah. It just gets the well the, the marketing aspect i think is yeah. what we've really missed out on in colorado because i mean you look at something like we and we were having this conversation champagne can only come from a certain Regional. place yeah. mm -hmm. and and that is what they're they're allowing to to create a higher i think marketing dollar for you to go out and make more for the farm by you know, if you look, the Avocado Asso Growers Association, there have been many people doing this before this, and I think it showed that it's paid off very well. So it's exciting that Colorado is really getting on this. Yeah, and you know, I think the Department of the Colorado Department of Ag has really helped us too with food safety and put us through different like courses and certified us in the proper handling and the proper processing and. That's helped us too. I mean, aware we have to really keep track of who comes into our fields. I mean, we keep a log of who's coming mm. into our field so we know what's going on in there. And so it's it's been um, really safe practices that we've learned too and we've developed. A lot of it was what we were doing in the past. It just wasn't documented, wasn't tracked, wasn't traced. And so we're having to write things down and track things and, and do what we've done before, safe practices. Mm -hmm. But when did you do it? How did you do it? Why and did you do it? You'll love to see that body of work as the years go by. That'll yeah. be fantastic all yeah. together. School, school us on melons. I mean, why, why does Rocky Ford produce such delicious <laughs> melons? What's, what is it? Uh, big argument, right? It's uh, elevation, possibly. Uh, I think the, probably the bigger thing is the variation in temperatures through the day and the night. We'll get a 40-degree temperature swing from... 100, 100 to 105 degrees in the day to 60 degrees, 65 at night. And that variation just creates an amount of sugar that can't be replicated anywhere else. Uh, natural. From what we've it's seen. all Nat natural. Naturally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, I'm just, I want one right now. <laughs> well, I, but I love that, too. You've, you've expanded and you're doing, I mean, a lot more honeydew is coming out of this valley than I've seen in the past. And mm -hmm. so you're watermelon. really expand And the watermelon that's mm -hmm. coming out of mm -hmm. here now is... I, I just, I love what you're doing down here. So Are the varieties exclusive to the region? The can I grow a Rocky Ford melon on my balcony in Denver? No. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you can use the same seed, but it won't be Rocky Ford melon. Yeah. So we're exclusive and trademarked in our region. And it's it's local such a cool to thing. here, and yeah. that's what I love. I love when um, those things are able to be developed. When you have a product, say, say like a, t a nose tissue, that's Kleenex. When you, have, yeah. you know, to be able to have that association, mm -hmm. and I think that that's just a really great victory to have Rocky Ford melons. And I think a lot of the other products that we grow here too, the the chilies, I think, benefit from our large temperature the swings. They can be hot and dry, yeah. and they're going to be really hot. Uh -huh. uh, the tomatoes that, that our local markets have here are just so sweet. You won't get any other tomato like that throughout a, throughout a year. 
other than when they're they're ripe here and so people really appreciate that i think all of our crops well, are just uh, unique to us tomato growing region at one time it was and yeah. and these are sort of the crops that we're sort of bringing back in yeah yeah please help to our tomatoes. tomatoes so now that now they're more niche to our our, our local markets mm -hmm. and if you have a chance to enjoy them you should because they are very very good yeah yeah and, and the beef every i think just everything that we grow here we're blessed with a like i said a 60 mile range in the Arkansas Valley that just produces an exceptional product. Yeah, and he here's why we challenge the consumer to, to pay attention because uh, <coughs> when you see some of these initiatives get that get um, um, set into play on Capitol Hill, that if you're not paying attention, that we could see it being harder and harder for agriculture to uh, even happen here in Colorado. And we do not need to go any further for fresh local food and uh, just making it more difficult and difficult to be in business here in Colorado and we can just take one issue at a time. But to be an educated cons consumer is, is more important than ever. Uh, let's jump, if we can, to Brian. Introduce yourself, if you would, Brian. Um, Brian Kreitz. I own um, Kreitz Produce. Kind of started my own business about uh, 15 years ago. This is Troy Gard from Tag Restaurant Group. You saw me playing a little air guitar. So good. And when I'm not rocking, I'm watching The Modern Eater, like you should be too. Hey, you guys. Jay here with The Modern Eater Show. Thanks for watching. Don't forget about our YouTube and Instagram channels. A lot of killer content over there. Throw us a subscribe on YouTube. Throw us a follow on Instagram. And thank you for supporting TME. We couldn't do this without our amazing sponsors, so let's check them out right now. Very proud to be part of the, the Modern Eater and uh, chefs, restaurant owners, any food service operators. You know, I know right now that uh, delivery and carry out is bigger than ever and we got you covered. Uh, Cambro uh, has a full line of uh, delivery and carry out items. More economical options are expanded polypropylene or EPP, a uh, nice insulated container. Uh, the ProCard Ultra is really versatile. It's a great unit because you can actually store cold products down here, hot products up here. It's all 120. There's no refrigeration worries. It's all thermodynamics. Just let us know what your food service challenges are, what it is we can do to help you out, and there isn't anything that we can't do for you. So uh, hope to see you over here at our facility in Park Hill soon and uh, stay safe out there. You know everybody, with several million dollars of hard assets here, insurance is very, very important to us. Ewing Levitt covers it all. Machinery, building, workman's comp. Ewing Levitt's got us covered from the floor to the ceiling, from our alley, even to the street. This divider, this press, my cooling conveyor, my oven. Ow, ow! Ewing Levitt covers our counter stacker and our employees too. If you need insurance, take it from Little Rich at Rockalitas. Call Ewing Levitt, they'll get you covered. Hey, this is Keegan from D-Bar in Denver. You guys might find it difficult to stay in touch and stay up to date with the ever-changing culinary scene in Colorado. It's almost impossible. 
just tune in to the Modern Eater. These guys have their fingers on the pulse of what's happening in all of the food and beverage in all of Colorado. They're behind us. They understand the idea of shopping local and shopping small. To support them, you support us. I'm Brian Kreitz. I own um, Kreitz Produce. Kind of started my own business about uh, 15 years ago. And I grow Pueblo chilies, and that's kind of my, my deal. I actually do a lot of uh, chili processing and restaurant supply and grow a lot of chilies for quite a bit of people in the state, I would say. I have a lot of customers from Denver that come down to my, my place to get chili. And not only my place, but the other markets in, in Pueblo County, um, pretty much when September 1st hits, you can't go to any one of the farm stands in our area, and you'll be waiting in line for 30 minutes for yes. a bushel of roasted chili. Yeah. So, Why roast it all the time? Just question. Just the roasting gives it a, a convenience. Though? It just gives it a great flavor, and it gives you the ability to take it home and freeze it and put it in the freezer and mm -hmm. use it year-round, basically. Yeah. You get a fresh pepper. Uh, you, you keep a fresh pepper in the refrigerator for a couple of weeks, and then you're no bueno. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. Brian, do you measure your production in pounds or bushels? How do you? How do you yeah, bushels. Some of the the restaurant processing stuff goes in uh, packages, five or ten pounds, but bushels is the pretty much how you how you measure chili. Are you growing more than you can sell right now, or? Um, never say yes to that. Never say yes to that. <laughs> I the business is very 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 strong for chili right now. We've we've started that Chili Growers Association, um, kind of like the Rocky Ford guys did, and we're trying to market our our chili statewide and kind of get hatch out of Colorado basically. Yeah. So we're um, between now. There's probably eight or ten chili growers in Pueblo County and we do have an association small association but we're doing the same thing that they are we we um, trademarked our chili and we you could grow Pueblo chili in Pueblo County basically mm -hmm. you can grow the same seed somewhere else but it's not Pueblo chili mm -hmm. and exactly like he was saying with the cool the cool nights the hot days and our um, water that comes from our snow melt in the mountains there mm -hmm. we produce the best chili in the world Oh, right here. <laughs> is there a variety that you like growing? Uh, the the Mirasol is our it's one Pueblo of my favorites. Yeah, that's, that's the one. So the chili grows up on the plant. It's um, looking up towards the sun, and that's our that's our chili. That's our Pueblo chili, and that's that's the one that has the best flavor. I grow all of the Anaheim varieties, and the the, the best one is the is the Mirasol, the Pueblo chili. I Are you really in distribution? Agree. What's that? Do you have distribution? No, uh, I, I supply restaurants, but it's just purely my own deal. Mm -hmm. um, there is a couple of farms there in Pueblo County that actually have them on, um, on the food trucks that they supply. It's their statewide. So they ship Pueblo chili to Denver and to the western slope. It's, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. How can people get more information about your business? Um, Kreitz Produce. I have a Facebook page, but... I don't do much advertising. I stay pretty busy with with what I've got going on. Keeping it going. Yeah. yeah that's right.
and here's where we go for, full circle. And, and that's where I just want to kind of throw this free for all out there. And I thought one of the great questions is, and as we're sitting here, ag is usually male dominated. It really is. But getting more women engaged in agriculture. Um, how, Brooke, how do you see that? Being involved in the Colorado Department of Ag and through their campaign, Colorado Proud, I've seen more and more women at the different events that are a part of it. And some of them have been in the beef area and with the cattle representing. Mm. And I think it's important because one thing you, sometimes you have to think about is who is in the grocery store buying? It's not always male dominated. Mm -hmm. When we speak, we talk about how we feed our kids and we are feeding, we're eating what we're producing, we're feeding our kids what we're producing. So. We want to share that with other people too. I mean, there's no reason. Mm -hmm. We want to get the message out there that, um, you know, it's good, it's quality, it's it's important. It's what we feed our own families. Yeah. How about ethnic diversification within? You're that? seeing more and more of that. Definitely. I mean, and I think it's a great thing. I think there's a lot of different programs out there too that are involving different ethnic women, mm -hmm. you know, to to be involved. And there's grants. We've been to different. Um, organizations and there there's grants out there for people that are starting up because it's really hard I think to get into the business and people are starting smaller and trying to develop and grow um, you know we're fortunate enough that we've been in it for um, several years and we have generations generations our kids will be fourth generation farmers um, so kudos to Brian oh, that's awesome that you started on your own I and love it and uh, did that that's a, that's very a impressive. phenomenal story and and we should talk about that too how you did it and how you got into well, I, it because yeah. that's pretty interesting as well who should the onus be on for consumer education when it comes to the producers who, who should should the onus be on the producers or the consumer themselves, anybody. It's on us. I think there's so many people as in, in as farmers and ranchers, we're the people in the fields working, we're in the developing the business, you know, hands on uh, taking care of the land and taking care of the animals and the crops. And so that's the focus of what most of us do. And so we, we do need to figure out a way to get that word out there about what we're doing and how we're growing our products and how we're, and I think that's something that that doesn't always get looked at because our focus is on our land and our produce. And I know beefs. Sorry, beef specifically. It's always we always raise our beef and it goes to the packing plant and then it gets sold under Tyson or JB, whatever it is. And there's a disconnect with without a brand being in the middle. So with a brand in the middle, Rocky Ford melons. Uh, Rustler, uh, Pinot Beans, um, with that brand, I think that connects a lot of things. And that's the biggest reason that uh, we felt it was important to, and to people, start our own brand, to have that, to get people that People can trace that. that yeah, people can that look at that and see where it's coming from. Yep. That's yeah. where we can jump into the, the generational farming and ranching as well, to where, um, let's face it, technology and social media is going to play a big part in the educational portion of this. And I think that that's where the the newer generation coming up in the ranks will really do a great service to agriculture, I believe. And it's to where things seem less shocking. And when you when you read a bill like 16 that was just up for the artificial insemination of animals being anything that can be construed as sexual is just completely outlandish and I think that some of the things that educationally that can be done is make it less shocking to to the consumer to see this is how it's done this is how at ease the animals are and this is what's needed to happen in order to have consistency within the markets 
And without without that technology and that educational um, component of it, I think that it it could um, lend to be difficult. And I think the future is bright in that sense because there's really nothing that when you uh, let back the curtain that you're going to see that's going to be anything that would be shocking to you because um, what you'll find is these folks in agriculture are the best steward of the land of the livestock, of anything that has to do with raising food for your consumption. Anybody have anything that they'd like to expand upon with that? I, I'd throw out there, though, to Brooke. I think it's tough, the, the statement that you made, that it's your responsibility. Because one of the things, and we were having this conversation earlier, the farmer's someone who cares about the land and who's really trying to pay attention about what what the soil is doing, how much water they're mm -hmm. going to have. How then, long will it last? <laughs> and how long will all that last? And then you take then the marketing side of it that you have to get involved in and all these other aspects and components mm -hmm. driving it to market. There's not time. And that's so that's where I feel that the onus should be on. I, and I hate to say it because I don't like the government, but I think that or in government involvement. But I think that the, the it, it should be our government talking and, and more on the local and state levels. That but you can't control you can't control the narrative at that point. In time. I, I know it's and tough. I think the producers it's, need think, to be able to control that narrative. I think it's on everyone. Narrative. I think you should be somewhat responsible for what you're eating, where it's coming from, how it's brought to you, and I think the education part of it. If you're interested in, in I think all of us here at the table are are wanting to produce safe products for everyone where they're going, how they're getting there. But I think on the on that part of it, okay, is it is it safe right off the shelf? Do I need to wash it? Do I need to cook it a certain way? Mm -hmm. And so I, I think it's a shared responsibility. Yeah. Loaded question. Educational thing. It, 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 here's, well, you know, here's a look here that about that here's a loaded question. <laughs> Are farmers and ranchers the best business people for, for the products? And bringing it to market, sense, yeah. bringing it to market. But if you have a cattle program, I mean, a lot of times you you don't want to bring it to market. You want to stop short. You want to figure out the path. Somebody else do resistance. the marketing. Yeah, absolutely. Else do the and, and there's nothing wrong with just being a great farmer and a great rancher, and that's not your forte. But nothing is that where a disconnect may be at some point? I is yeah, I feel like there, there's a reason that disconnect where there wasn't brands and and everybody did what they're really good at doing there's yeah. a reason that happened and efficiencies and everything else but but that's where we've come to a point where the divide has gotten too too wide and mm -hmm. we've got it we've got to bridge that and the only way we'll bridge it is direct consumers we have to have Agreed. our doors open consumers have to take the time to yep. come through our doors yep. um, we need that anytime you have a lack of communication people get things in their heads on both sides our i mean all all of our uh peers There's in agriculture are, are talking about denver and you know all the, all the mm -hmm. consumers and how crazy they are and vice versa you go to denver and there and so we need that communication we need that FaceTime. Well, things have gotten out of whack, right? I yeah. mean, the trucker is making potentially more than the farmer right now. Yeah. And that's when there's a, oh. there's a skew yeah. in things. Um, and whether it's just the gas or whether it's the labor, whatever it is, yeah. the, I see it as a massive problem. Yeah. You know, when the producer is the is the smallest percentage of profit in the whole chain. And the largest risk. Yeah, and yeah, the largest, largest by, risk. By far, yeah. by far. That's so true, so true. Wrap it up. Any closing comments? Anybody? I'll try to kind of summarize. But I think the the, the most important thing um, that's kind of been kind of brought to light tonight is that
Hi, I'm Amber with Strohauer Farms, and I'm just here to remind you that the best potatoes are grown here in Colorado. Goodness elevated. Thanks for watching The Modern Eater Show. Hey, Zach Kreider here, Colorado Mills Sunflower Products out of Lamar, Colorado, your only local source grown from a local crop to produce a local oil for local chefs. You can find it at Shamrock Foods, What Chefs Want, Seattle Fish Company. Uh, let me try it one more time, then we'll see. Hey, restaurants, we're glad you're reopening from Colorado Mills Sunflower Oil. We'll see you soon. <laughs> First, we partner with the best farmers in the world, and then we tell them, we will take it all. Process whole spices daily, blend custom spices to order, keep it fresh, safe, and flavorful, all so that you can get back to doing what you do best. So whether you're a restaurant, a food manufacturer, or an at-home cook, be sure to visit The Spice Guy at www.thespiceguyco.com. Hey Modern Eater fans, I'm Don Trobo with The Annex by Ardent Mills, and I just wanted to give you a heads up about some of the great things we've got going on locally in the state. We're headquartered right here, and we're working with farmers in the San Luis Valley to bring you amazing Colorado quinoa. It's just like the South American stuff, but grown locally. We've got transitional wheat flour that's grown by farmers in Colorado and surrounding states who are in the process of, of turning their fields into organic. So we're taking that transitional wheat and turning into flour, and now it's available for you to cook and bake with. And last but not least, we're now cleaning grain berries in Denver. So things like spelt or wheat berries uh, or pearl barley, those are things that we're now doing right here locally and are available to you. Can't wait to share it with you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jeff Nations from Aspen Baking Company. It's really important right now to support local. That's why I support the modern eater. Now, back to the show. I'll try to kind of summarize, but I think the, the, the most important thing um, that's kind of been kind of brought to light tonight is that ultimately um, our goal and what we do is to bring something to market that we have not only consumed ourselves, have given to our children, our parents have had, our grandparents have had, our children's children will have, hopefully. And um, this misnomer that we are doing things to hurt the consumer mm -hmm. has to, we have to do a better job of, of ending that conversation. And um, we, we have to do a better job as, as a collective in bringing people and opening our doors and being a lot more engaged um, across those lines. And so um, there's a huge, huge representation tonight of people that are here um, that work day to day, that have other jobs, that are in school, that are, you know, um, 
relatives and things like that. And but at the end of the day, we're all here because of one thing, and it's because we're passionate about what we do and who we are. And um, we want that to continue. And um, a lot of us were our families are here because we came before Colorado was a state mm -hmm. and we want to be here until you know forever Agreed. and so um, at the end of the day um, you know we're here to produce something mm -hmm. that we believe is is very very important to the future of our of our world truly so bravo so, yeah, well said God. and thank you for trusting us to share with us as well, well we story. appreciate you guys coming and um, this is a, a really important piece to crossing that divide absolutely and um, although it's each of our responsibilities we hope that we can continue this dialogue and bring more people to us and have more things like this to yeah. to you know hopefully you know make this not such a, a crazy conversation you yeah know? That's and we're kind all of, yeah, yeah we're all trying grab that microphone for me thanks kate um just like great farming and ranching everything should come full circle in a great sustainable environment and i want to do the same thing with you bill we're coming full circle oh, and end of this thing let's I just let no we're gonna talk about uh adam some more <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing more to talk about <laughs> we need to wrap it up with a laugh. That's how you always do it. What would you think about this conversation here? Was there any eye-opening or is it like, hey, this is just another day. I've seen this all. Uh, no, there was no, no uh, eye-opening. There's more uh, conversation than is normally. We don't really talk about this stuff amongst ourselves. Yeah. So, but nothing was... Uh, New or different, but it was just... It was talked about. It was talked did about. Did you enjoy the conversation? I did. Oh, good. I was getting a little cold on the back. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we can all enjoy ourselves. Well, now. the wind is the wrong way. Here. It's <laughs> 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 but. I knew we could end with a great laugh. Thank you so much, sir, for having us here today. I really appreciate it. Well, we appreciate uh, everybody coming. We've, we've enjoyed... I I have anyway. Rita, what about you? <laughs> we'll see after the we'll see after we clean up here how we do. <laughs> okay, so for Bill and Luke Larson and Nick and Matt, Brooke, Brian and Kate and Brian Freeman and Jay Parker and everybody else that's been here today, Greg Holland back. I thought everybody did a great job. Truly did. Yeah. The Modern Eater Show, we're going to keep going with it. We'll be back at it tomorrow. We'll kick that rock on down the road, and we'll see you then.